Hey friends, Isaac here. It's Tuesday, July 5th. Welcome to the Living the Dream Show with Kevin White. Kevin is a best-selling author, international speaker, and global brand publisher. He's founder, executive director of Global Hope India and CEO of Spirit Media. Spirit Media. As a serial entrepreneur, Kevin has helped start hundreds of churches, businesses, and nonprofits throughout the world. Before starting today's episode, Kevin asked me to make sure you've heard about The Writers Club with Kevin White. Kevin just finished writing his third book in three years. He can help you write your first or next book. The Writers Club with Kevin White is a weekly small group via Zoom with writers for accountability and structure through coaching and collaboration. Learn more at spiritmedia.us. That's spiritmedia.us. Put your hands together and let's welcome my friend and yours, Kevin White, to today's show. Hello. Welcome to Living the Dream Show. I'm Kevin White. It is Tuesday, July the 5th, 2022. I want to wish a happy birthday to America. We just celebrated America's independence yesterday, July the 4th. And I greet everyone in the USA as well as in India and all around the world. We are so thankful 166 different countries listen in to the show every week. And I'm so excited to have you in the audience today. Thank you very much. Please take time to like, subscribe and comment uh, during the show. You're not going to be disappointed with today's episode. As you know, we champion Revelation 7, 9 through 12 where every nation, tribe, and tongue are in front of the throne in heaven, worshiping Jesus for all eternity. And that's people from every nation. And today, we want to just zero in on the word worship. Uh, I'm gonna share a message with you. It's a part one of a two-part series, so you'll wanna come back next week for part two uh, with Pastor Leon Crump, uh, as he spoke at Hope Community Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, just a week ago. And you are going to be uh, blessed by this message on discovering and shaping your worth. Worship, discovering and shaping your worth. So as we champion Revelation 7, 9 through 12, we need to get ready for worship. And worship involves everyone. So uh, sit on the edge of your seat. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you uh, through Pastor Leon today. I'll be right back after part one. You all are so kind, you're so kind, thank you so much. Uh, it, again, it's so good to be with you all today. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been threatened right to my face. Uh, <laughs> he's like, he's the one guy I wouldn't take, but here, here's the problem, okay, we're both, we're both aging. I, I won't say old, uh, we, we, are, we are seasoned, like fine wine or good bourbon or a great steak. And so the reality is I might win, I might win, but it'd be too costly. You know, I'm, I'm a walking country music song for those of you who are Toby Keith fans. I, I, you know, I'm not as good as I once was. Anybody know that song? Can I hear it? But I'm good once as I ever was. So, I mean, he might get some. If he come for me, he might get some. Uh, but I also might just go down and, because he's so tight. Like, he's just, your pastor works out. You know, I lift weights, he works out. Those are two different things. I want to eat bad food and look good in jackets. Like, he's got a different goal. So when he threatens me, I get nervous. Uh, 
<laughs> well, if you don't know me, they already said my name, but uh, I hope to know you. Uh, hope is like a second home for me. It has been a family to me. And, and so I talk like we're family. I talk like this is my place. I would love to work here. Uh, so if you're hiring, let my church know that I'm leaving. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> So I talk like we're family, and, and so I wanna say this, if this is your first time with Hope, uh, a very special welcome to you, a very special welcome to those of you joining us online, and, and particularly if you would not consider yourself a follower of the way of Jesus, and this is important. Uh, hope is not a perfect place for perfect people. It, it is a place for people in process. And so if you are here and you are on your journey with Jesus, toward Jesus, away from Jesus, maybe uh, uh, you don't believe at all, but you're just exploring. Maybe uh, you're going through some kind of season of deconstruction and you're trying to figure out what you believe. I just want you to know you're in a safe place to ask those questions with people who will journey with you, walk with you, and who will love you well. Can I get a good amen on that? All right. Now, uh, uh, as Pastor Arbery said, we are wrapping up a series on worship. See how I say we? I'm, I'm interviewing right now. We are wrapping up a series on worship. Uh, and if you weren't here for any part of those messages, you can't catch them online. But I'm going to give you a little bit of recap to orient yourself uh, on where we're going today. In the first week, Jim Bergen, Pastor Bergen, uh, talked about the kind of the arc of the whole Bible and, and really... Uh, um, carried us from Genesis to 2 Samuel to show us God's desire and design, which is always to be in a relationship with a people. And we're going to touch on that a little bit uh, today as well. And then, of course, last week, my, my friend, my brother, uh, my well-dressed uh, compatriot, my preaching idol, Albert Tate, came and, and he talked about the fact that how we love ultimately shows up in how we worship, or maybe even said better, uh, our worship reveals how we love. And and so today, what I want to talk about for just a little while, uh, if you'll go with me, uh, I want to talk about the purpose of worship, okay? I want to talk about the purpose of worship. So we, we talked about what worship is. We talked about why love matters in worship. And tonight, I want to do, today, I just want to talk about the purpose of worship in a message entitled Worth Shape. So if you're a diligent note taker, you know who you are, you grew up Baptist or Presbyterian, get your pen out and get ready to fire because we're going to be moving fast, okay? Uh, and, and if you want to read along with me, we're going to be in Psalm 100, Psalm 100, and uh, I'd love for you to read along with me. And uh, you know what? If you're feeling bold, maybe you'll respond to what the psalmist has written, and I don't know if have to preach this message. Let's see how we do. Okay? Psalm 100, verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All right. Lord, thank you for this time together. They have received this word. Uh, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with what? With praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever to all generations. The word of the Lord. And if you are following the way of Jesus, would you say with me, thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for its power. Uh, I pray now that you would hide me behind your hand and that you would speak directly to the hearts of the people uh, who are here to receive, who will hear this message across multiple mediums. Would it be all of the life change that you would hope it to be? We ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
astoundingly, uh, perhaps even shockingly, uh, because you know what they say, black don't crack. Uh, I have been in ministry for 20 years. I know, you're like, I thought he was 22 years old. No, I'm in my 40s, and my back feels like somebody hit it with a chisel this week. And so I'm barely standing right now. This is a true story. I pulled my back trying to deadlift more weight than I should because I'm not in my 20s anymore. And, uh, and over these years of pastoring, there's been a lot of emotions, learning, growing, joy, pain, beauty. Uh, and every person, as with all of you, with, with most any person, uh, you have that commingling of experiences across your life. And sometimes those things converge in one experience. Sometimes you have to hold joy and sadness and tension. And one of those times for me is often when I visit churches outside side of the Western world that have a great deal less than what we have here in the West. And, and one of those times in recent memory was when I had the opportunity to go to Cadu in Brazil. It's a little town, even some Brazilians don't know about it because it sits right in the rainforest. And, and when our team arrived in the town, the, the whole place was filled with this palpable joy and energy, which in itself is a testimony and a miracle because it used to be the Brazilian capital of witchcraft and the Brazilian capital of voodoo. In fact, uh, in the years prior to our arriving there, there used to be a great monument to voodoo and to witchcraft in the town, but because of some faithful ministers of the gospel who came to that place and began to love people well and introduce them to the good news of Jesus and journey alongside them and meet their needs, there was this radical revival. And by the time we arrived there, and by revival I mean like this incredible movement of God doing things in people's lives and changing people's lives forever. And, and by the time we got there, there was an archway at the entrance of this little town that said, God is here. It was incredible. And the church uh, where we would ultimately serve and worship was a small church by, by any standard, poured concrete floor with dust from the outside, kind of liberally scattered on the floor. In fact, uh, I think we've got a couple of pictures. If, if not, I'll press on, but I'd love to show you uh, this place. And if not, then you can see them on my Instagram another time. But concrete floors with dust from the outside, gently blanketing them. Uh, there was no air conditioning, just open windows. And I want you to imagine this, no air conditioning, open windows by the rainforest. Now, it's 63 degrees in here and I'm already sweating. I almost died in Brazil. Not from disease, from dehydration. It was so hot, not literally, no, I'm good, I'm good, I promise. I'm just, you know, I'm exaggerating. That's, you know, that's what we do, our demonstrative communicators. Oh, there we go, look at that. This was the church. This was the church. Little concrete floors, literal dust sprinkled on the floor. And as we enter this building, y'all can leave that up for a little bit. The, the little girl that my wife and I adopted through Compassion International, Alicia, uh, well, she came in slowly and, and, and put herself in a place and, and she prepared to sing. But right before she, she began to sing, she, she said something so beautiful and powerful. She opened up by saying, we thank you, Jesus, for all of your goodness. And the entire place erupted in celebration. Now again, I want you to look at it. And I want you to let that sink in. We thank you, Jesus, for all your goodness. And the entire place erupted in celebration. The sound system that they had, it was two speakers that another church from the U.S. had bought for them. The band, it was a guy sitting by a CD player, pressing play and stop. No instruments, plastic lawn chairs, nothing you could call a stage. 
And the worship team was a chorus of children. But at that moment, she and the other young people began to sing. They began to lead the church in worship and sing passionately. And, and suddenly, the entire room was filled in a way that I had never experienced here in the States. Not in my auditorium, not in any auditorium that I'd ever been in had I experienced anything like this. It was a, it was a passion that I, that, I, that I couldn't even get my mind around. In fact, uh, we have machines, right? We have sound machines that we can create reverb. Like if you go to a great concert, you can experience reverb. It was like a natural reverb rolling from the back to the front and back again in the room. And my heart, even though I didn't understand anything that was being said, we were singing in Portuguese, and my ears didn't understand it, but my heart was engrossed in it. And I remember being completely overwhelmed. Now you might be asking yourself, well, why would you be, why would you be sad at a moment like that? Is this a safe place, can I be honest? I was sad because I knew I had to come home. I was sad because I knew I had to come home. I was sad because I was returning to a place where it seemed as though worship was hindered by the way we live and the comforts we have. That, 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 that somehow under the blessing hand of God or whatever you want to call it that we have here, that we lost that sense of passionate desperation that we have so many competing forces for our time and for our attention. That, that if we, if we gather, that we may never experience anything like that. Now, I'm a pastor, and, and so I went to school, and they taught us things like critical mass. Like a room will feel a certain way once you hit a critical mass, like enough people. Well, there wasn't very many people in that little concrete box. And I was taught that, that for whatever reason, now I, I laugh about this every week with my own congregation, true story. Like they will not sing if the lights are up. And I'm like, y'all know heaven gonna be bright, right? Like it's gonna be, it's gonna, I don't wanna sit by the front girl, it's too bright by Jesus' throne. I, like that's, <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be real light up there. But for whatever reason, we can't feel the spirit till the lights go down. These are things that I ruminate on. And, and here's the conclusion that I've kind of come to that's hard for me to say. And, and I'm not indicting you, I'm, in, I'm including me. That's why I'm gonna say our, not your. The conclusion that I've come to is, is that our worth in the West seems shaped more by culture than Christ. And that is why it's hard to worship. That's why it's hard to worship. In, in fact, even if you're not a follower of the way of Jesus, you'll be hard pressed to push back against that statement. In fact, half of the issue that my unbelieving friends have with people who follow the way of Jesus is that it seems, it seems that our worth and our way is being shaped more by political agendas and cultural flashpoints and personal pride than it is by Jesus. 
And that's why I was sad. Because very often here, our worth is shaped more by culture than it is by Christ. And, and the way we worship, well, it, it, it reflects that. You see, worship, follow me, worship is absolutely about God. It is. It really is. But it is more about you than it is about him. I'm not a heretic. Stay with me. It is more about you than it is about him. Why do I, what do I mean by that? Because at its root, the word worship means worth shape. Somebody say that. Worth shape. Thank you. One person. There's a crown in heaven for you. The rest of these people, they're going to live on the borders in the small mansions. Let's try again. Worth shape. What does that mean? At the root of it, that's what the word worship means. Because what we worship, what does it do? It shapes our worth. It shapes our worth. It shapes what we value about God, about self, about others. What we worship shapes our worth. You see, the thing is, and, and, and I know this might be a newsflash, God is not in heaven like, oh man, I just really need him to sing to me today. He's not. No, we worship to be reminded of what is valuable in our world. What is valuable about God, what really matters. God is not shriveling on the vine because we don't worship him. And that's what I mean by worship being more about us than it is about him. Not that he is not the object of worship, but that at the end of the day, when we turn our hearts toward God, it is about us understanding the real valuation of reality and ourselves. Not about God feeling more like God. Now, according to our church father Paul, I'm gonna weave this in here. When he wrote to the church in ancient Rome, he wrote that all of life is worship. That's, that's Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual what? Worship. Y'all do remember. But here's the real. How we worship when we gather together evidences whether we have a life of worship beyond the gathering. Can I say it again? How we worship when we gather together evidences whether we have that living sacrifice life of worship beyond the gathering. In fact, last little piece here, and then we'll jump into the text. Uh, when Brianna and I were there, we spoke to a woman who was like a walking version of the story of Ruth. She lost her husband. She was raising three children alone in a two-room shack, no indoor bathroom. Grandma slept in a hammock in the living room, hanging from the ceiling. And we ended up talking to her because when we were standing in that worship gathering, like she was going in. She was, she was doing the nay-nay. She was like, she was <laughs> twisted and shouting like she, all the decades. You know, what, the hand jive, I see some hand jivers in here. Beautiful gray manes. She was dancing and singing it. And we were just so taken by her. And, and we started to talk to her. And I'm going to read to you what she said. I wrote it down. She said to us, I have nothing to complain about because of the God that I worship. My daily hope is to have a heart like hers. My hope is for you to have a heart like hers. Why? Here it is. Because how we worship 
reveals what shapes our worth. How we worship reveals what shapes our worth. Now, the psalmist delves deep into the beauty of worship and how it impacts our way of life. And that's, that's how this goes together. Because you see, what happens in the room impacts what happens out there. And how you live out there impacts how you show up here. Everybody still following me? And the psalmist delves deep into this, into the fundamental beauty of corporate worship and, and why it is necessary to have a life overflowing and characterized by worship beyond this. So if you want to walk with me, go ahead and look at verses one through two. The psalm begins with an explosion of praise. Make a joyful noise, the psalmist encourages the people. Note that he said noise, which means that even if you sound like a cat in pain when you sing, if it's joyful, God enjoys it. I know that some of y'all are pitchier than those people who are allowed to go on American. Who does that to people? My wife and I watch American Idol. I'm like, no one loves you to allow you to do this. As long as the sound is joyful, God enjoys it. Let it out. Come into his presence with singing. You see, the psalm by design is a call to worship. It is meant to be read and heard in the setting of corporate worship and the commands to make a joyful noise and to come into his presence with singing. Well, that comes with expectations that can often be missed, including this one, that the gathering of God's people, it's a sacred space. And that sacred space, well, it overflows into all of life. And that's the first truth that we see in just these few words. Make a joyful noise, all the earth. Come into his presence with singing. Why? Because you are entering into a sacred space. And sacred spaces are not something that God takes lightly. We can see that throughout the Old Testament when he determines who can do what and not do what, say, in his temple. We see that again in Matthew chapter 21, where Jesus sees a bunch of nonsense going on and he comes into the temple and he says that my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you all have turned into a den of thieves. In fact, John chapter two is my favorite account because I've got a vivid imagination, right? If you don't know it, let me tell you about it because it's great. Jesus walks in, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold these fools by playing with me. And then he runs back in with a cord of whips. <laughs> and he beats people until they run out of the temple. That's my Jesus. Okay? Jesus meek and mild, skipping through the lily fields with his Pantene Pro-V. I don't want to worship that Jesus. I want to worship the Jesus that sees a mess. I, I don't think y'all are seeing this the way I see this. Like, this is like when you get home and you told your kids to clean their room eight times, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that's Jesus in John chapter two. What does that mean? God takes sacred spaces seriously. He takes them seriously. Now, here's a question you gotta ask. Well, if God takes sacred spaces seriously and the psalmist is referencing a sacred space, then what makes a space sacred? What makes a space sacred? Here it is. 
when we look at the scriptures, we only see one common denominator, and that is the presence of God. God's presence, his presence is what makes a space sacred. A sacred space is a place that God says he will visit. Now, hear me. If that's true, then should that not change how we approach our places of worship? If God has promised that he's going to be there, that is why the psalmist can speak with such conviction to come into the house with singing. Why? Because God is there and he's going to meet you. It doesn't matter if it's elaborate or simplistic, if it's formal or informal, if it's crisp or it's messy, if it's liturgical or it's free form, it doesn't matter. The singular purpose is so that we can gather together and experience the tangible presence of the living God. Amen. And so whether it is Karenga, in a concrete box in Africa, or Kado in an open air room with red clay stuck to the floor, or Atlanta, where our AC is, that's why I yell like this, because I gotta talk over our AC at home. That's like, they can't hear me, I gotta get louder. Or right here in the triangle. Wherever we show up with expectation of being in the presence of God, he shows up so that our worth might be shaped. Now, if that is true, then Psalm 100 is written with an expectation that we are in a space where God will be present, which means what? I know this seems almost too simplistic, but I think we forget sometimes, which means that you are in the presence of God. You're in the presence of God. Whenever you show up, you are in the presence of God. And so what? What does the psalmist say? Since you're in the presence of God, make a joyful noise. Worship the Lord with gladness. He is here to meet you. And there you have it. There's part one of Pastor Leon Crump at Hope Community Church just a week ago. And it's a powerful message on worship. I hope you'll be back next week for part two. I'll see you next week on the Live in the Dream Show. God bless you all. billion people still have limited to no access to know about Jesus. Just how many is three billion people? It takes one second to say hello to one person. If you wanted to greet three billion people, it would take you 100 years of saying hello nonstop. Global Hope India has been empowering local churches throughout India to provide access to Jesus to the one billion unreached souls in India. You can make a difference now at globalhopeindia.org. That's globalhopeindia.org. Thank you for listening to the Living the Dream Show with Kevin White. Don't forget to visit spiritmedia.us for the Writers Club with Kevin White, a weekly small group via Zoom with writers for accountability and structure through coaching and collaboration. Visit spiritmedia.us today. Visit kevinwhite.us and join thousands of subscribers to Kevin's free daily one-minute motivation series called Generously Blessed. Kevin's books, Audacious Generosity and Get to the Point, are available in hardback, paperback, ebook, and audiobook. 
at kevinwhite.us, worldwide on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and everywhere books are sold. Your five-star review on Amazon will be greatly appreciated. This has been Living the Dream with Kevin White. Find the complete archive of all episodes at kevinwhite.us or subscribe for free through your favourite podcast player and never miss an episode. This program is copyright Kevin White International Incorporated. All rights reserved. Each week we bring you a message of living the dream as people of every nation, tribe and tongue worship Jesus together on earth today as it already is in heaven. Remembering the gift of God's presence through Jesus Christ is accessible to everyone. Join us again next week for Living the Dream with Kevin White.